today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. We're bound by the chains of unforgiveness. And you know what, gang, what I've learned a long time ago, and actually I've learned this lesson, this is one of those lessons you learn many, many times. My not forgiving someone something doesn't bother them at all. But it eats me up. It eats me up. And the answer to forgiveness isn't an increase. Well, maybe as I mature in my faith, if I could grow my faith, huge no. The answer isn't in the idea of increasing our faith. It's solely in obedience. Forgiving is not a matter of faith, but simply a matter of obedience. Following Jesus means dying to self, which also means dying to what you feel like doing. How many times has Jesus forgiven you? If we want to be like him, then that's how many times we should be forgiving others. Pastor David will teach that unforgiveness does little to the other person, but it brings bitterness and bondage to our own heart. So when we walk in forgiveness, we walk in freedom. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, Obedient Forgiveness. Forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Help, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, even mechanically, I I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, and sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seems to flood my whole body, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all of my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. And I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. You see, church, it does not take great faith to forgive. It takes simple, faithful obedience. And it's that faithful obedience that Jesus now drives home to the disciples as we look on in Luke 17 at verses 7 through 10. Look at this, if you would beginning in verse seven. And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? (laughs) But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk? 
and afterwards you can eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded to him? I think not. So likewise you, when you've done all those things which are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. One of the things we need to catch here at the very beginning of this, right at the beginning of verse 7, it begins with what's called a conjunction. Depending upon the version of the Bible you have, the translation of that conjunction is also, and, but, moreover, or now. This is nothing new. It's found all throughout the Bible, nothing special about it. But what it does do, we see here Jesus was speaking, and the use of this conjunction ties together what he had just said to what he's about to say. Jesus moves on from what he said in verse six where he says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it'll obey you right into, and which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep? And so we see here this idea of a, a direct connection, a continuation. And we can't miss that because that helps us to be able to understand and interpret what he's saying next here. Jesus uses this illustration to be able to get the disciples to understand the point of this lesson. He speaks of a very common thing within their culture. Everyone would be familiar with what he's speaking about here, a master and a servant and the relationship between the two. They could make the full connection as he gives them the illustration. The servant he speaks about seems to be a pretty capable guy able-bodied individual. He can work as a farmer and as a shepherd, or he can come in and cook the meal. Very useful servant. But Jesus begins this illustration by declaring something absolutely foreign to their understanding. This idea of the master serving the servant. The servant come in, the master say, hey, come sit down. I, I made dinner for you. No, that wouldn't happen. Can you imagine this ever happening, Jesus saying? After the servant works out in the field, he comes in and the master has dinner all prepared and invites the servant to sit down and eat. Well, of course not. That's not how it works. When the servant comes in after working out in the field all day, the master is gonna tell him, no, you hurry up and fix me something to eat. And then after I've eaten everything, then you can go ahead and find yourself something to eat. So then Jesus asks them a question. As a matter of fact, uh, the question brings into focus the whole point of this illustration. Yes, that question. Do you think that after the servant does all that he's commanded to do, that the master is going to rise up and tell him, thank you? Well, Jesus answers his own question. He says, I don't think so. Serving the master was what was expected. You were meant to do that. You were called to do that. Serve the master long before considering serving yourself. Jesus then follows up with the object lesson. In essence, it's the takeaway from this. Verse 10, he says, So likewise, when you have done all those things which are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We've done what was our duty to do. So let me first clear up a little understanding or help with the, the translation on this a bit. When the servant says that we are unprofitable servants, it's not that they had no value. It's simply that they hadn't done 
beyond what was expected or anticipated. They hadn't done beyond what was required of them. They didn't do anything extra. They only did those things that they were commanded to do. They were unprofitable in that way. To help you to be able to understand that, if I were to take and place money into an investment account and then three or five years later I came back and my same $50 was there and it hadn't gained anything, well, that was an unprofitable investment. I didn't lose anything, but I didn't gain anything either. That's the idea. It's unprofitable. When you and I do all that the Lord, according to his word, has commanded us to do, when we forgive a brother or a sister seven times a day because seven wrongs were committed on that same day, or maybe, as another passage says, 70 times seven, Gang, we've simply done our responsibility. We've, we've done our obligation. Within that, that's really when we start demonstrating the mind and the heart and the action of Jesus. But just doing that basic thing. Over and over throughout the scriptures, we're called to walk in obedience to the example that Christ has set before us. Even when we don't feel like it. I don't know about you, but there's days when I don't feel like it. Okay, sometimes there's multiple times during a day that I don't feel like it. Because my own flesh gets in the way, I get wounded, I get upset, I get tired, I get frustrated, whatever it might be. But we are called to follow. Jesus told his disciples and he tells us, for I've given you an example that you should do as I have done. Paul reminds us throughout the letters to the church, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Another passage in Ephesians, he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So what is our mind to be? Well, Paul tells us in Philippians, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Peter himself tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, For to this you are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should what? Follow his steps. Follow his steps. Our forgiveness of others should be unlimited. You might say, Pastor, that doesn't make sense. There's a lot within God's kingdom that doesn't make human sense. Amen? Amen? But we're dealing with God's kingdom and our life in that kingdom. You see, if I'm a true disciple of Jesus, nothing should prevent me from forgiving others. Give that to you again. If I'm a true disciple of Jesus, nothing Nothing should prevent me from forgiving others. Oh, but pastor, they didn't ask forgiveness. That's okay. You forgive them anyway. Oh, but pastor, that was a mean, that was a cruel, that was a horrendous thing that they did to me or to my family. That's okay. They'll have to deal with that before God. You forgive them. Because you see, forgiveness in your heart is all about you. It's not about the other person. And when you and I walk in forgiveness, that means we can walk in freedom. 
Otherwise, we're bound by the chains of unforgiveness. And you know what, gang? What I've learned a long time ago, and actually I've learned this lesson. This is one of those lessons you learn many, many times. My not forgiving someone something doesn't bother them at all. But it eats me up. It eats me up. And the answer to forgiveness isn't an increase. Well, maybe as I mature in my faith, if I could grow my faith, huge no. The answer isn't in the idea of increasing our faith. It's solely in obedience. Do I have a true and living faith in Christ? Do I walk in an attitude of forgiveness? Or do I simply have a comfort zone religion? I agree with what the word says. I want to follow Jesus, but within my comfort zone. Because if I go beyond this, I'm going to be losing something of myself. That's right. Shake your head like this. Because you're supposed to lose all of yourself in Christ. What does he tell us over and over again? You've got to die daily if you're going to follow me. You've got to die daily. But I have a right to, no, you don't. We do not. Because remember, we're dead. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but yet it's not really me that's living. It's Christ that lives in me. And so if it's Christ that lives in me, how many times did he forgive? Well, let's narrow it in. How many times has he forgiven you? You see, that's the difference. With that true, that that living faith in Christ, we're told over and over, die to self, walk in humility, be willing to suffer a wrong. Don't keep a score of your wrongs. And that's just the normal expectation for you and I as a believer. That's our normal expectation of submission to Jesus. The fact is, is that when I have a hard time forgiving someone, it's usually because I have too high of an opinion of myself. That's just the reality and the truth of it. I'm not going to forgive you because that keeps me up high. If I forgive you, then I've got to back down some. But isn't that what we're supposed to be anyway? To walk humbly before your God. How could Corey Tinboom fully honestly and completely forgive that guard from that Nazi concentration camp? How can you and I walk in that truth that we we can't deny that we must be those who walk in the attitude and the action of forgiveness? Again, I'm going to go back to Corey Ten Boom's example in her writing, the one that she wrote while she was still alive. She gives us a couple of closing thoughts. She she knew forgiveness wasn't an emotion. She knew that forgiveness was an act of the will and that the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. We've shared that a couple of times. So my question to you is, do you will to do God's commands? Is that your desire? I want to follow him. I want to be obedient to him. In order to be obedient to him, then I have to will, I have to desire to do his commands. Tin Boom adds to this. She says, I wish I could say that 
merciful and charitable thoughts just naturally flowed through me from then on. But they didn't. If there's one thing that I've learned in 80 years of age, it's that I cannot store up good feelings and behavior. I must draw them fresh from God each day. So let me ask you a second question. Are you daily walking in his presence? Actively seeking to be strengthened and encouraged by his Holy Spirit. That refreshing work, that refilling work of the Holy Spirit in his life. Beloved, that's something you have to actively do. That's not a passive work within our lives. That's something that I have to actively do. I have to purposefully seek the Lord in my life every day. It doesn't come just naturally. No, I'll tell you what comes naturally. No, I won't tell you what comes naturally. You know what comes naturally because it comes in your life too. And the natural man is in control. Actively seeking. Corey recalled a time in life when some Christian friends she loved, she trusted, did something that hurt her very deeply. She thought she had forgiven them, but... Why was I suddenly awake in the middle of the night hashing over the whole affair again? My friends, I thought. People that I loved. If it had been strangers, I I wouldn't have minded so. I sat up and switched on the light. Father, I thought it was all forgiven. Please help me to do it. Some years later, speaking with another friend from America, Corey admitted that she was still troubled by the action of those friends who she had thought that she had forgiven years ago. She says, but they say that there's nothing to forgive. They deny it even happened. But I can prove it. And I went eagerly to my desk I have it in black and white. I saved all of their letters and I can show you where. And then suddenly her friend interrupted her and says, Corey, as he put his arm through her arm, simply closed the drawer. He says, aren't you the one whose sins are at the bottom of the sea? And here are the sins of your friends etched in black and white. For an anguishing moment, I couldn't find my voice. Lord Jesus, I whispered at last, who takes away all my sins. Forgive me for preserving all these years the evidence against others. Give me grace to burn all the blacks and whites as a sweet-smelling sacrifice to your glory. So the third question this morning, do you forgive others only to hold on to their sin in the deep recesses of your own mind? Oh, I've forgiven them, but I can tell you every detail of the event. Oh, I forgive them, but. You see, as soon as we put the but on the end of it, that kind of changes everything else. For the Christian, forgiveness isn't an option. Let me ask you, have you ever been wronged in a greater way than God has been wronged by all of his creation and each one of ourselves individually? 
No. And yet God has taken our sin and he's cast it totally away. Your sin in Jesus Christ was completely and totally forgiven. He remembers it no more. Remember Corey's words, when we confess our sins, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. Do you remember the words of the apostle John in 1 John 1, 9, when he declares that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Or again, the words of Micah the prophet. You will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You'll cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. If God has done that for us, over and over and over and over and over, these are just my overs. I don't know how many you have. <laughs> but if he has done that in such a way that he remembers them no more, and we say that we are his followers, that we are his children. Do we hold on? Do we hold on to things that again, God has forgiven, yet I can't? Because you see, I've been wronged more than God was wronged. I have a right to hold on to these things. No, we don't, do we? We've not been wronged more. The forgiveness that you and I have and should execute toward others is that idea that, okay, I understand fully. I'm not denying the wrong. I'm not denying the evil that was worked. But at the same thing, by the grace of God, I forgive that individual. You know what that opens up for you and I? Not only freedom within our own life, but it opens up the very strong possibility of healing in both lives. Because you see, when we close and bar and chain the door closed because of unforgiveness, way, way too many times, even if that individual wants to change, they realize that there's a huge wall there, a huge barrier. And so it never comes back. It's not able to come back because we've chosen by our own will to not forgive, to not release that into God's hands. Not only are you and I called to forgive because of the forgiveness of Christ in our life, but just that strong reality of the forgiveness that God gives us ought to be the impetus for, for each one of us to live our lives with that reality that the words that Jesus spoke even on the cross, Father, forgive them. They, they don't know what they're doing. The, the words of Stephen, even as the, the Pharisees were stoning him, Father, forgive them. Don't lay this sin to their charge. What right do we have to hold on? What right do we have to hold on to unforgiveness? Open our hearts.
Learning more about Jesus is the single most important thing we can do as Christians. As we carefully consider how Jesus lived, we see beautiful examples that can apply to our lives. Though the entire Bible is rich with symbols and images that point to Jesus, the Gospels are grand central station for who Jesus is. Join us each day as Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.